Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, well, I want to say a really big welcome to everyone that's joining us online today. If you've never been to a church service before, I'm so glad that you could be part of this one. Um, I, I've been going through this crazy season along with everyone else, and I've got to tell you, I am missing everyone that is uh, uh, normally at church. It's not exactly the same thing as being being and doing church in person. And I've been getting messages, people been asking me, hey, how are you coping with the season? And despite the fact that, you know, we're not here and doing this live in person, the truth is I'm doing pretty good. You know, like I wake up in the morning and I don't really have anywhere that I have to be. There's a little bit of grace for the season that we're in right now. I hope that you've got it. I can tell you who definitely has it. I can tell you who was made for this season. And it's pretty much everyone under the age of 15 years old. So like my kids, they must have like this incredible grace for this season. Because I'm telling you, and this is not a lie, I reckon that they could watch YouTube every single day, 10 hours a day, and not even blink. They would love it. They're made for this season. They are living the dream in this season right now. In fact, my kids, they do something so weird. And, and I hope I'm not projecting here today. But you know, when I was a kid and I was born in, in the 80s, right? So when I had a video game console, I would play that video game. And, and, and when we had sport, we would just play sport. Uh, if we had toys, we would just play with those toys. But not for my kids. Like, I don't know if your kids do this, but my kids like to go on YouTube and watch other people play video games. I don't get it. I feel like I've missed something in, in, in all of this. I don't know why they wanna watch another person have fun. My daughter will get toys that she has and she will watch other people play with the toys she actually has on YouTube. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But they are just a generation that has been uh, designed for the screen. And so they are living the dream right now. They're enjoying this season. I need a little bit of my kids anointing, you know, like I need what they have so that I can feel totally comfortable and completely at ease. But I really do think that part of that is true. It's like you can have a grace for the season that you're in. Hey, I wanna preach a message to you guys today called Prison Break. I'm gonna preach out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to 18. Paul, the apostle, is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. Here's what he says. Chapter 3, verse 12. Since we have such a hope, and he's talking about the hope that we have in Jesus. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. If you don't understand what I'm talking about yet, no problem, let me catch you on up. When Moses went up Mount Sinai, to get the Ten Commandments, he spent time in the presence of God. And when he came back down from the mountain after spending all of that time with God, the Bible says that his face began to, sh began to shine. It was glowing. 
I guess people didn't really want to look directly at him because there was something about being in the presence of God that he carried back down from the mountain. So he put a veil over his face so that they didn't have to look at the glory that was coming off of Moses' face. Well, that glory didn't stay there. In fact, it was starting to fade. But you know, even when it faded, Moses kept the veil up so that he could keep up the idea, the concept that he was still glowing, that it was still there. See, God had moved on, but he didn't want everyone to realize that. And so he kept a veil up. Now, Paul is using this as an illustration so that people could understand what God has done in the time here and now in the New Testament. He says in verse 15, Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and I want you to listen into this because this next part is really important. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What Paul is really saying there is even though we don't veil our faces, we have the Spirit of God that lives in us. If you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus and you've invited God to come and fill you, then there is the presence of God. It fills your being. And so he says, hey, we don't have a veiled face, but we still are beholding the glory of God in this way. You know, what's really interesting to me, especially about the season that we're in, is that two people can go through the exact same experience and handle it completely differently. Two people can walk through the same circumstance and treat it completely differently, see it differently. I said to my kids recently, because we had Easter not that long ago, and we're sitting at the table and I said to my kids, it was a bit of a test. I was sorry I asked this question. I said, hey guys, just before we get to Easter, tell me what, what, is, what is Easter really all about? And my daughter was so enthusiastic and she goes, oh, I know, I know, I know. I said, Eliana, why don't you tell us what Easter is all about? She said, it's about chocolate. It's about Easter eggs, right? And at that exact moment, I felt like a failure as a pastor and a parent. I looked at Sarah, I said, sweetheart, we have failed our daughter. We're, we're supposed to be pastors of a church and our daughter thinks that it's all about chocolate. I guess we looked at Easter a little bit differently. It's only the most significant event to ever happen in human history. I guess I saw it that way and Eliana just kind of saw it being as something about chocolate. You know, it's kind of funny. People can look at the same thing and just see something completely differently. And they don't always do it on purpose. It's not always intentional. Sometimes it's just your upbringing. It's your background. It's your history. And, and it kind of puts a slant on your perspective that now skews what you're looking at. People just see different things different ways. Now, years ago, Sarah and I, we decided that we were going to change banks. And so when we were applying for this new bank, I had applied to get a new credit card, which had 0% interest on balance transfers for six months. That's the credit card I applied for. So it comes in the mail and I open the letter 
and they shows me that the credit card that we received was one that had 19% interest starting immediately. I thought this is not what we applied for. They've made a mistake, no problem. I'll just call them up and explain it. So I call them up and I get somebody on customer service and I explain the scenario to them. And I said, look, you've given us the wrong credit card. It started off really well. He said, well, let me look up your details. And he does and he finds our account. He says, oh, I don't think I can actually give you the credit card that you're interested in. I said, why is that? He said, because the credit card that you want is only available to new customers. I said, that's me. I'm a new customer. That's the credit card I applied for. He said, okay, let me have a look here. He says, sir, it appears that you already have a credit card with us. I said, yes, that's the one that you just sent me. That's the wrong one that I have. He says, so what you want is to get the other credit card. I said, yes, the one with 0% interest on balance transfers for six months. Can you have that happen? He said, wait, let me check a few more things here. Sarah, it looks to me like you're an existing customer. I don't think I can give you this credit card. I said, are you serious? Like, we just went through this, like maybe a minute ago where I explained the reason why I look like an existing customer. So can you just give me the one that you were supposed to give me? I'm telling you right now, and I'm not even joking. I'm on the phone, maybe 10 minutes to try to explain to this guy what he could not unsee. It's like he saw it and his mind got stuck in a loop and now he's not breaking out of the loop. He couldn't unsee it that way. He, so he couldn't unthink it that way. He just got stuck. Paul the Apostle is writing this letter to the Corinthians and he's explaining how some of the Jewish people are just getting stuck. They cannot see past the Old Testament. You know, the, old, the word testament, it's the same word for covenant. Covenant is how God is, does, does relationships with people. And really his whole idea about the veil and it being covering people's or Moses's face so that they couldn't see that the glory of God had moved on. Paul uses this as an illustration to say, Guys, God has moved on from the Old Testament. He has moved on from the Old Covenant. He doesn't do relationship the same way that we learnt with Moses. Someone far better than that has come along. His name is Jesus. There is a new covenant. There is a new Testament. There is a new way that God does relationships. And the way that God does relationships in the New Testament is all about grace. That's the gospel. If you don't understand what the gospel is about, it's so simple. Let me take just one moment to explain it to you. Every one of us, I think, would understand and agree that we're not perfect. And those little mistakes that we make, they really matter because that's our sin. Well, we couldn't live up to the standard that God created for us. So Jesus came from heaven to earth to live the life that we could never live. But then He did something else. He died the death that we should have died. And He made a new covenant, a new arrangement. Here's how it works. If you believe that Jesus Christ has come and died on the cross for your sins, that means that every wrong thing you've ever done, are currently doing, or even maybe will do in the future, that all of that is forgiven. Here's where it gets really good. That means that because of the grace of God, 
You can now come into the presence of God. You can have a relationship with Him. He will speak to you. He will talk to you. He will communicate with you. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is what it's all about. Now, it existed, but it was only accessible to people that understood this. Only accessible to people that saw it this way. And Paul is saying, hey, if everything about the gospel is veiled to people, if they can't see what God has done, then they can't access the freedom that comes with it. Now think about it. What did Paul say? He said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So now freedom exists and it's there and it's present and it's accessible, but only to people who have had it unveiled, only to people who can see Jesus as He is and see what God has done. Man, I remember it wasn't that long ago, I, I woke up in the morning and I'd had this dream. And the dream that I had was this horrible dream about something terrible that had happened in our family. And so my alarm goes off in the morning and I get out of bed, but I'm like mildly depressed. I just feel like, I'm, I'm, I feel low. Like I've had a bad day already and it's only been going for about 30 seconds. And I just felt kind of miserable. I remember getting out of bed and just didn't really want to do anything and started getting ready for work and whatever I had to do. And after about 10 minutes, I realized that how I was feeling was related to the fact that I thought that my dream was real. I didn't realize that it was a dream until about 10 minutes into my day. And I thought, man, everything that I'm feeling right now is attached to something that I dreamt last night, but that's not true. And if that's not true, I don't have to feel this way. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying that how we feel and how we uh, behave is completely attached to how we think. And so it's so important that we see things clearly. You know, the Bible says that as a man thinks, so is he. So get this, your thought becomes reality. At least it does for you. Your thought becomes reality, right? But here's the thing. Two people can go through the same circumstance and one can emerge out of that experience a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit wiser, bigger on the inside, while another person could go through the exact same experience but they feel a little bit lower. They feel a little bit more depressed. They feel like they don't want to get out of bed in the morning. See, it's the same experience, but it just depends on how you process what's going on. Here's my question to you today. What if how you're thinking right now was wrong because you saw it wrong? What if how you feel right now is just attached to a wrong thought. And so maybe you're in a season where you feel like things are getting worse and worse and you're going lower and lower, but it's not necessarily reality 
It's just the way you're thinking about what's happening in the world. What if what you really need is a great unveiling? What if what you really need is to see clearly, to see your circumstances clearly, to see what's happening in your world right now from a different perspective. And if you could see it from a different perspective, maybe you wouldn't feel how you feel because you're not thinking how you used to think. You're looking at your season with fresh eyes. Man, how you look at your season, it matters. You know, like two years ago, I went through this season in my life and it was horrible. In fact, I went to the doctors one day and he says, listen, I think we need to do a blood test on you. I said, okay. And the results of the blood test came back and he looked at the results of it and he said, hey, according to these levels, it would appear that you have cancer. And I said, okay, that, that kind of came as a slap in the face. I got, I got to tell you. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, what do we do from here? He said, we need to run more tests. Tell you what, once you come back in a month's time, We'll do another blood test and we'll see how you feel. You know, I said, okay. So for that whole month, I've got a question that's in my head and I'm sort of thinking, is this real? I mean, is this really happening right now? Is this my experience? Is this how things happen for me? I, this is not a testimony that I really wanted to have in my life. And I go back a month later and I get the results back and the levels are no different. He said, yeah, this is not looking good for you. I said, well, what's the next step? He said, the next step is just to have another blood test. Wait a month, come back. I'm telling you right now, this process went on for a period of eight months. And over that eight month period, I kept on thinking, is this really what's gonna happen to me? I gotta tell you, over that eight, eight months, it felt like a prison for me. And it was because of how I was thinking about my experience. It was just a thought because the results came in and I was fine and I was clear. But because of how I thought about it, it became a mental prison for me. Now I know right now we are in isolation and we're locked down in our house, but I tell you something right now, I would take ISO life over the mental prison that I experienced two years ago, any day of the week and twice on Sunday, because it was much worse for me when I had the freedom to go anywhere, but I felt completely trapped inside of my mind. And I gotta tell you this, that people have been feeling trapped long before we experienced isolation in our homes. So now in some way we are physically kept in, in our homes but mentally you can be free. I would take that over being free, but being mentally trapped. It's just with you wherever you go, it's a horrible experience to go through. I think that there were lots of people that were in a mental prison long before ISO life was even a thing. It's horrible. I think before we were confined, you know, we were able to, distract ourselves with things that we filled our lives with. You could keep yourself so busy that you never had to really face what was happening in your life because we just keep this incredibly fast paced lives. But now what's happened? We got to slow down. There's nowhere to go except to confront and come face to face 
with what's really going on inside of our lives. And I wanna tell you this, there's all kinds of ways to deal with it. People will self-medicate with drugs. People will self-medicate with alcohol. People will self-medicate with sex. People will self-medicate with pornography. I mean, there are so many different ways for you to try to handle your season. Here's what's really horrible, is if you start pursuing those ways to self-medicate, those two become prisons for you eventually. Eventually you become trapped by the way that you try to handle your experience. And it doesn't matter what you post online. It doesn't matter the photographs that you take. You know, like if you go to Instagram, which is known globally as the most honest depiction of true life anywhere on the planet. Because if you wanna know what people's lives are really like, just check out their social media account. Of course, what it doesn't tell you is that it took them 400 photos just to get the one with the right light that doesn't make them look how they didn't wanna look. And they've touched up that photo just a little bit or they took a whole heap of photos because their kids were like screaming and making noise. But the shot that you get is the picture perfect family and it's easy to look at that. And you can, hey, you can post that and put it out there for other people to see how good things really are in your life but in your heart of hearts, at the center of who you are, you really know what's going on in your own life. And you can post whatever you want, but you're still gonna have to deal with what's going on inside of your world. You still have to deal with what's going on inside of your head. See, I think in ISO life, you come face to face with yourself. Face to face with how you're handling things. And this is really important because what's on the inside is gonna work its way to the outside. And I think we're seeing that all over the place right now. What's on the inside is working its way to the outside. So people are trying to self-medicate, sort of, Make that voice that speaks to them quiet so they don't have to deal with that reality. I, I, I got to tell you, that stuff just puts you in a mental prison. While we're on the subject of mental prisons, why don't we just talk about that for just a moment? Because that's really what this whole message is, is, is about. There are so many ways for you to put yourself in a mental prison. Like, for example, if somebody did something that was wrong and they hurt you, and you are still holding unforgiveness towards somebody that's done the wrong thing to you, I gotta tell you right now, that's gonna put you in a mental prison. It's gonna put you in a mental prison. You know, plenty of people the world over have been hurt. It's amazing how one person sees an opportunity for growth and forgiveness and the other person sees an opportunity to be hurt and put themselves in prison, becoming bitter and twisted. Bitterness is a great way to put yourself in prison trying to control things that are outside of your control. Oh man, that'll put you inside the prison of anxiety because there's a lot of things that are happening right now that you know that you can't control. And if you try to control it all, just puts you inside of a mental prison. I've seen people be held captive by fear, by worry, by anxiety. I mean, there are so many opportunities in our present season and the current world that we're living in to put yourself in a prison. But again, it's funny how two people 
can go through the exact same experience and they see their position differently because one person can find a prison and the other person can find purpose. It's incredible. Same scenario, but we handle it differently. Same experience, but we see it differently. Maybe the people that are handling it well have had their eyes unveiled so they can see things clearly as they are. Maybe it's that very thing that helps people get out of the prison that they're in. You know, Jesus said this, and I'm paraphrasing, but He said, the eyes are the windows to the soul. He doesn't say that directly, but in summary, that's what Jesus was really saying. So if the eyes are the windows to the soul, then how you look at your circumstance, it matters. It matters a lot. Don't let your position become your prison. Don't let your position become your prison. Man, you, you need to see clearly because you're going to live out what you take in. You get that? You're going to live out what you take in. So you got to see it the right way. One of the things that I've learned is that prisons are not a place. Prisons are a position. It's just the position you take sometimes. And it's amazing how the position you take could end up trapping you. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's a, it's a way of thinking. It's feeling stuck. It's, it's getting trapped. It's, it's not being able to move past a point that God wants you to move past because you're just looking at your situation wrong. I remember years ago, we had a guy that came to our church and I wish I could say that this was in someone else's service, but it wasn't, it was our service. And he came to me and I've been running the church for less than 12 months. At the end of the service, he came straight up to me to give me some feedback. And by the way, just a little asterisk, man, pastors love it when you give them feedback at the end of a message when they've just preached their heart out. So he comes to me and he says to me, hey, I want to tell you something, pastor. I said, what is it? He said, I want to tell you that I just didn't feel the presence of God in this service today at all. I said, really? He said, no, nah, I just don't think that God was in this. I said, okay, I don't know what you want me to say. Hey, th thank you for your feedback. He left and I immediately turned to another person that said to me, pastor, can I just tell you something today? I said, yeah, please do. And they said, can I just tell you that I felt the presence of God today? Like God was in this place. The worship was incredible. I was moved to the depths of my being. As people began to worship, I had tears in my eyes. And when you, when you preached, it was like you were speaking straight to me. It was like a message from God straight to my heart. I'm telling you, Jesus is in this place. And I thought, oh, whoa, wait a minute. How is that even possible? See, I got one person that says, I can't feel Jesus at all. I don't think He's here. Six feet from them is another person who has an encounter with Jesus. How can they do it in the same room at the same time? 
The presence of God is literally in the room and one person has complete access to it and the other person is completely veiled from it. And I think the difference sometimes is how we think, it's how we see, it's how we carry ourselves, it's how we handle the seasons, it's all of those things. I want to tell you right now, Jesus came from heaven to earth. He has no intention of hiding from you in this season. So if you can't feel Him and if you can't see Him and if you don't know Him, it's not because He's not there. He's present right now. Even in the room where you're watching this message, whenever you're watching this, the Bible says that God is everywhere and where He is, there's freedom. So right now, think about it. Jesus is all around you. And some of you can feel it and some of you can sense it. And some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And I can tell you this, the ones that have access to it are the ones that it has been unveiled to. And they can see Him. And and I'll tell you why I'm mentioning all of this, because it doesn't matter what season you're in or how you've handled your circumstances up to this point. Jesus is the ultimate prison breaker. His presence and His power is enough to break you out of the season that you're in right now. And even if you've held that unforgiveness and bitterness for a long time right now, I tell you that Jesus is able to break you out of the season that you're experiencing. He's just a prison breaker is what He does. In fact, I want to read a story to you. This comes out of Acts And it's about Peter, who seems to be like making it into all of my messages at the moment. Maybe he's like secretly my favorite character, except for Jesus. I must make sure I say that. But but apart from Jesus, you know, Peter's pretty good. Maybe it's because I feel like I've got so much in common with him. I don't know. But here he is and he's in prison. And so he's about to get broken out. Listen to what it says. Acts chapter 12 In verse 6, it says, Now when Herod was about to bring him out, that very night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and two sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Can you say overkill? Wow, he's just a Christian who's been preaching the gospel and now they've got all of these, these prison guards and everyone around him. He's chained to people so he can't break out. It says in verse 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And Peter said to him, What's the point? Why bother? I mean, even if I get up, I'm chained to these guards. And even if the chains are able to fall off, we've got to get past them without making a noise. There is a gate that's in front of us that I got to break out of the prison cell. And then even if I get out the prison cell, like I'm, I'm, there's prison guards everywhere. And even if we're able to make it out of this whole prison block, we've got to walk across the courtyard where prison guards are watching the courtyard. And I don't know, angel of the Lord, if you're even aware of this, because I thought you were supposed to know a lot of stuff, but there is an iron door that leads to the city. It's big. Have you seen it? Do you know about it? Like, even if we get past this moment, there are a series of obstacles that are in front of us. I just don't see the point. Let's just stay right where we are. 
course, Peter didn't say any of that, did he? No, it doesn't say that at all. He says, get up quickly. So what did Peter do? Well, he just did the next thing that he was told, didn't he? It says, and the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. Well, look at that. The next thing that he did was just dress himself and put on his sandals. It says, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know that what was done was, uh, what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them of its own accord. Let me fill in the gap for you. It didn't just open of its own accord. That was the prison breaker at work. It says, and they went out and went along the street and immediately the angel left and Peter came to himself. It goes on from there. Here's the point. Peter just did the next thing. He just took one next step. And he didn't worry about what the end could look like. He didn't begin to argue and debate about all the complexities and the problems and what could possibly await him. It's amazing how we do this. It's an opportunity for freedom, but we talk ourselves into prisons because we come up with obstacles that keep us from accessing that freedom. Now, this ISO life thing, we've been looking for stuff to do around the house. A couple of years ago, uh, we bought Judah, my son, this, all right, it's like a no-name Meccano set. Now I know why it's not as good as Meccano, all right? It was rubbish. It was the worst kind of Meccano set thing that you can buy. It comes with about a thousand pieces. And when, when you open the instructions, there's like three or four pictures of what to do. You got thousands of pictures, uh, thousands of pieces and just a couple of instructions so Judah says, Dad, can you help me build this? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be any help. But yes, I would love to help you build this. We have plenty of time on our hands these days anyway. So we start to build it. And we're building out of the pieces. And as long as we follow the next step of what looks to be right, I feel like it's going to make more sense towards the end because we have less pieces to build with. So I'm building and then my son comes to me and he says, Dad, look at this. And I said, what? He goes, how is this supposed to work? Which pieces am I supposed to use? I look at what he's done. You know what he did? He went to the very last step and he was trying to build backwards from what he saw. And so he's pulling out all of these pieces and I'm like, listen. I said, why are you so stressed about that last step? I said, you know what? Let's just take the next step. And if we do the next thing and take the next step, then we'll have less pieces to build with at the end. It'll all make sense. You know what I think? I think there are so many people right now that are creating scenarios that are worried and they are so far ahead in the future about what could happen or what might happen. Here's the problem. There is an endless supply of creative, imaginary scenarios. And the worst thing about it is you cannot solve a problem that doesn't exist yet. You don't even know what's going to happen in the future. You've just got to get past the next thing, the next step. Just take the next step. Some of you guys, you're in like this mental prison at the moment because you're so worried about what could happen, what might happen. Some of it, in all reality, it's things that have happened. 
I don't know what the next step is for you. For some of you, the next step is just maybe to forgive someone in your life. For others of you, the next step is just to apply for a job. I don't know what the next step is for you. But I can tell you this, you just need to do the next thing. Don't worry about all the possibilities that could come in the future. Maybe the next step for you. It's just to worship God. That'll lift you out of your experience that you're having right now. I know it's the most counterintuitive thing that you could imagine because when you're feeling low, sometimes the last thing that you want to do is worship, but it's the best thing that you can do. Maybe that's just the next thing for you. You want to change how you feel. You want to see your experience differently. You want to change and shift your perspective. Start to praise. Praise will change your perspective. Worship will begin to shift how you see what's really happening in your world. Look at Peter's jailbreak. The angel comes and he says to Peter, get up. Peter didn't try to think about all the things that could happen. He said, all right. So he just got up and the chains fell off. And then after that, he said, get dressed. And he said, all right, well, I'll just get dressed. And then he said, hey, follow me. And he said, all right, well, everything's worked so far. So I guess I'll just take the next step and... He just did the next thing. I don't know what the next thing is that you need to do today, but I know this, that if you take the next step, you're one step closer to freedom. If you've got bitterness in your life, forgive that person right now. You're trying to control things that are happening in your world. Just let go. Let God be in charge. You're not anyway. You might as well know it. So why don't you just rest in the sovereignty of who He is and just relax in that. You don't need to manage everything. I, I don't know if you're full of fear right now. I don't know if you're anxious about all the possibilities that could happen, but you could just hand it to God. And I, I tell you right now, I, I know for a fact that your circumstance will not have changed, but you'll see it differently. You'll see it differently. And if you see it differently, you feel different. You start to walk out of the prison that you're in. See, I wrote this message because I really believed that God was wanting to break people out of the personal prisons that they found themselves in. You know, the Bible says that God, He stands at the door and He knocks. Right now, He's just knocking on people's hearts. He's saying, come on, let me in. I know you can't handle what's happening right now, but just let me at it. You let me in and I'll begin to manage it for you. And what if the gap between your freedom and your problems was simply letting Jesus in to your life? You just gotta let Him in. See, here's what I, here's what I really believe. You get freedom when what's veiled is revealed. When what's veiled is revealed and you see God as He is. You don't have to worry about all of that stuff anymore. You don't have to control it. You don't have to manage it. You can just let go. You can forgive because when you see who He is and when you see what He's done and when you see how Jesus loved people that put Him on the cross, that tormented Him. It's like this incredible example for us to be able to follow. It's like your circumstance hasn't changed. That person hasn't apologized, but you'll experience the freedom if you just let 
God be God. If you just let him into your heart right now, you just let him into your life right now, but you got to see him as he is. Because the thing is, if you don't see him as the King of Kings, then you won't let him in. You never ask to be forgiven from someone that you doesn't believe exists. So you got to see Him as the King of Kings. You got to see Him as the Holy One of Israel. You've got to see Him as Sovereign Lord over the universe. You've got to see Him. It says that He is the Lily of the Valley. He is the Mighty One. He is the Lord God Almighty. And you begin to get the Lord God Almighty into your life and you start to open up every experience. And maybe all it requires for you right now to be free today would be to simply let Jesus show you who He is and what He's done for you, what He's done for me, what He's done for people. And then you can just let it go. I know your life doesn't look different, but you're free. And I'll tell you right now, to experience personal freedom in the middle of a situation that's raging, there's no substitute. Man, it's, it's this peace that comes. It's this joy that comes. I think that God wants to bring peace and joy into people's lives. Let them walk in the freedom that He has for them. So this is what you got to do. You, you got to say, you start to pray. You say, God, let me see clearly. Come on, God, let me see clearly. I want to see clearly. I want to see my situation. First of all, maybe you should start here. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you say, God, I want to see you as you are. You're knocking on the door of my heart right now. I want to see you as Lord. I want to see you as Saviour. I want to see you as King. And the moment that you see Him as He is, that's when your life begins to shift. Your circumstances begin to shift. You got to see Him clearly though. And then you see Him clearly. And you take the next step. Just take the next step. You don't have to figure out everything today. You don't even have to know what the end looks like. You don't need to know how long ISO life is going to exist. You don't need to concern and fret or worry about whether you'll have a job in a few months time. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, but I'd rather do it with God than without God. My point is you gotta let Him into your life because even when things aren't going well, you can still have peace and experience the presence of God no matter what you're going through. And I tell you right now, you just take one next step and one next step and one next step because every step is leading you out of the prison and into God's freedom. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you today. If you're experiencing some kind of mental prison, I don't know how you got to be where you are, but I know that God has compassion on you right now. Maybe some of you just feel totally broken about your circumstance. You know, the Bible says that God draws near to the broken hearted, to those that are crushed in spirit. I believe that God is in your presence right now. It doesn't matter when you watch this. It doesn't even matter when you see this. I'm telling you right now, God is all around you. Some of you know it and you can feel it. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but He's there. He's there. So here's what I want to do. I want you to experience the freedom that comes with seeing God revealed. I'm going to pray for you. If you've got unforgiveness in your life, maybe it's bitterness. You're holding on to things that you can't control. You're full of fear, filled with anxiety. You've got all kinds of things that you're worried about in this season. I want to 
pray with you right now. So why don't you do this? It might feel a little bit strange, but it doesn't matter. Who cares what anyone else thinks? Because right now, this moment, it's about what God wants to do in your life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just bow your head. I want you to listen to these words. I wanna pray for you. And I really believe that if you have a heart to heart connection here, that if this resonates with your spirit, if you hear these words and you say, this is a prayer for me, I really believe that God's gonna begin to lead you out from where you are. So let me pray. Father, for everybody trapped, for everybody in a mental prison, for people filled with fear, anxiety, bitterness, maybe it's unforgiveness, whatever it is, I pray, Lord, that you would come right now and that your spirit would begin to counsel them. You'd speak to them. You'd encourage them. You'd lead them to take the next step. You'd lead them to forgive someone. You'd lead them to move past this experience because their position doesn't have to become their prison right now. Father God, I believe right now that some people are gonna find a prison, but other people are gonna find purpose. I pray God that on the other side of this prayer, that people are bigger, that they've grown more, that they've developed, that they're free. Right now, in Jesus' Name, I just pray, because Your Word says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, wherever You are, Jesus, there's freedom. I pray God that You would do a great revealing right now of who You are. And as people see who You are, they can walk in Your freedom. I pray right now in Jesus' Name, Lord, just help them to let it go. To let it go. Let it go. But it doesn't matter. You've got them. You're Lord. You're the King of Kings. You're in charge. And that's enough for us today. I pray peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.